All right, so we've got a hit movie on our hands, gang, and we need to create a sequel. What do we call this sequel? How about The Fast and the Furiouser? No? You don't like that one? What about The Faster and the Furious? You, you, you don't like that one either. Okay, what about... Um, what about Too Fast, Too Furious, the movie we're talking too about fast, today? Y'all. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to your new favorite show, The More You Nerd. My name is Drew, and Miles is making me watch all of the Fast and the Furious franchise movies. All of which for the first time, and obviously I cannot do it by myself. Miles, how are you, friend? I am too excited to podcast tonight. Um. And I'm not it's not just me. We we agreed to do this uh, both as a social experiment about this entire franchise and the world's fascination with it, which we talked about a lot last week, really stems from the franchise as it's made. From the fourth entry onwards, um, the. And I've talked to a lot of people who are uh, avid fast fans and and they've a lot of them have said different things. That's why I went into this one with very low expectations, because this one amongst most Fast and the Furious fans that I know is t- uh, tends to be at the bottom of the list. And, yeah, and well, a lot of those people I'm, will, I'm happy to say that that is uh, continuing uh, a trend not tonight for me. Um, and. But those friends will still also say it's still a super fun movie. I still watch it when I marathon these films, but it is it is the weakest. And uh, our next film was is kind of seen as the the dark horse of the franchise. Um, And I was probably most excited to get to this one because of its reputation. A lot of people um, and some have not been as kind to this movie as time has gone on. And some this movie has been very, very kind to Um, this movie is. I mean, obviously, the first movie made a a good chunk of money. We talked about this last week. It made like uh, $250 million or something like that, or I think, at the box office, and, which in 2001 was a huge chunk of change. Yeah, it's pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. Pretty, 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 pretty good. So they they wanted to do a sequel, obviously. As soon as that first one had its opening weekend, they're like, all right, we're we're. We're getting to to number two. And uh, famed director John Singleton was extremely impressed by that first movie. He got super, super into it. His reaction was, damn, why did I think of that? Because he grew up in South Central L.A. He said we had street races all the time. He loved the culture of uh, street ra- uh, racing influenced in the film. And he was very excited to do a, a sequel. And uh, which is. Pretty notable because you don't see this happen. You see it more happen more frequently now with the culture of oh, someone directs a acclaimed indie thing, and oh, some franchise is going to snap that director up. It's it's something that's happened the last I would say fifteen years. Well, maybe even twenty, but it wasn't as in vogue in that '90s culture. I feel like, and I mean, this guy, I mean, John Singleton was a, a Academy Award. Uh, nominated director, uh, most notably for Boys in the Hood, uh, but has done, I mean, for Brothers, Poetic Justice, Higher Learning, Baby Boy. Like he has done a lot of films that critics love, and ha- he has also been someone who is uh, very esteemed in like African American film studies. Like this, this guy ha- was a huge, huge voice, especially in the '90s. I mean, I remember seeing Boys in the Hood in the '90s, and that movie kind of blew my mind when I saw it, you know, because I'd never seen anything like it at the yeah. time. Um, and so you have that, and then... And then you have You this. know, you... <laughs> then, well, then you have the script, which, I mean, as much as... Spoiler warning, I very much enjoy this movie. The script is the, the weak part. And 
They initially offered Vin Diesel $25 million. $25 million in 2002. That's insane the, the money. Budget, the budget for this movie, for the record, was $76 million. Um, $25 million would have been huge. I, I remember when Jim Carrey made $20 million off of a movie in like the early 90s. And it was like a whole thing. Yeah, for... And, and we talked about that a lot. I mean, again, we talked about last week where, you know, Vin Diesel had been, you know, building his star up. And he refused after reading the screenplay, feeling it was inferior to the original and chose to do Chronicles of Riddick instead, um, which sadly did not make $260 million at the box, box office. Um, no. But... But we also have known Vin Diesel a big, big nerd and doing sci-fi stuff and playing his own sci-fi hero was very much in his wheelhouse. And his uh, 2015 interview with Variety, <laughs> I, I love this. They didn't take a Francis Ford Coppola approach to it, which I'm assuming he's talking about the Godfather part two. Um, you know, I, I had mentioned that, you know, Vin Diesel is a, is a fan of film, like capital L f film studies but uh oh, this movie's a capital f all right oh you shut up <laughs> oh. i'm i this podcast might end tonight guys <laughs> because of some people um but he said they approached it like they did sequels in the 80s and 90s where they would drum up a new story unrelated uh for the most part and slap a name on it i don't think that's entirely fair uh for this movie but i understand what he's saying because it does kind of echo things that even we have watched for the podcast when we're doing our our um like there probably is a universe where this movie didn't do well and this would have been our franchise follies because if you look at caddyshack 2 or speed 2 the stuff that we've done this does take similar notes in terms of trying to sequelize something that was successful before I think and it's to, way more and, successful than either of those movies. And but. to be and to be fair, this movie is way better than Caddyshack mm -hmm. Two and Speed Two. I will give it at least that. It's certainly better than Speed Two. Um, we, we all know how. Wrong, it, what is wrong with you? You know, I love Caddyshack Two. I have blocked that out of my memory. It, because, the only Caddyshack movie, as far as I'm concerned. Um, oh, uh, I'm not even playing. I well, part part is that is that uh, that song. <laughs> Kenny Loggins song. Nobody's fool. It's so good. Okay. Anyway, let's talk so about we, this movie. We have, we have this, this sequel come out and I remember people still being stoked on it. I mean, this movie made $236 million at the box office. This movie did very well. So a lot of fans at the time who were fan, fans of the first film certainly enjoyed themselves enough. Um, and I guess we should just kind of get into it and, and we'll also discuss the, the nature of the sequel as as we go in. Um, now, for for this podcast, I did, uh, unlike my my co-host, uh, watch the the prequel short film to this movie. Um, it's a six minute short that just basically says how Brian got from A to B. He drove. And oh my gosh really he drove a car yeah. so it's, it's did it, it is have a, four it, wheels or did it have it's three? A, it's, it is it is a mostly silent film showing that at the end it looks like they, they took a deleted scene from the first film where brian decides to leave the force and uh hops in his car and starts driving cross country and on the way racing different people trading out cars buying selling cars and then comes across a little cutie as the uh, apparently there's a national manhunt for him, which is not mentioned at all in the film. Not in the slightest. So, again, we should. <laughs> so when this movie starts, our boy Brian is not in California anymore. He is in Miami, Florida, trying to get involved in the street racing scene there. And unlike the first movie, he is, in fact, no longer a cop, which we learn uh, relatively early, I want to say, when he becomes a cop again. Well, yeah, so th <laughs> this one, I, I, lo I love this because this is very much like a 80s sequel where it's like you have Jean-Claude Van Damme who's out of the business and then something happens and he's brought back in. 
Um, so there is a, a, a street race at the beginning of this that gives you some of your uh, characters who don't have enough screen time. Um, and at the end of that race, every, you know, the cops come. Brian gets arrested. And of course, he is brought with his old friend, um, uh, the FBI agent. What's his name? Uh, agent Bilkins. Agent Bilkins from the first movie. So before we get to this, though, I do have to comment on this first race because I this is where I have problems with it as a sequel. These are where my problems with this movie began. Um, okay. In one. um Ludacris is there and he's great. Ludacris is great he's in this movie. Fantastic. Ludacris is horribly underused in this movie. I know that will be a thing that changes in future films, mm-hmm. but in this movie, he is not in it enough. I would rather Ludacris play Tyrese's character, but we'll get to that in a few minutes. Um, the other thing about it is that the other thing about it is that, you know, when you look at this first race, and I know this is very nitpicky, but it's something that I noticed pretty, pretty hugely in the first movie. There were a lot of like, you know, burner cars, you know, lower cost sports cars and things like mm-hmm. that. In this movie, we're starting out with a Nissan Skyline GTR right drive R34 car. That is not a cheap car. That is an import from another country. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I think we also have to talk about how, you know, after the first one, that that car culture became a huge thing. And I think it uh, the the idea of the cheap cars being the basis kind of got put to the wayside. I mean, you know, you have you have uh, the sole female driver in this one uh, taking life's place is uh, Suki, who drives a Honda S2000. Which, which is also not a cheap car, <laughs> not a cheap car. And it doesn't look cheap. It looks awesome because uh, she's she's the one who like seems to like deck out her cars like everyone else did in the first one. Like she treats her cars like a skateboard. Like She's making art and everything for them. Um, I, I, I there was not enough Suki in this movie for me. I thought Devin they, Aoki just killed it. There, there are there, there are so many characters that are in two scenes in this movie and then they show up later and you're like, wait, is that the same person? Yeah, I guess it is the same person. Okay. I, I, I'm no, so Suki became like a cult favorite. Um, and like that, in fact, last week studio house did a, um, they are boutique, a t-shirt company and they did a Tokyo drift drop and then a pink tie dye Suki drop. (laughs) And I bought the Suki t-shirt after watching this movie. (laughs) So anyway, the other problems I have with this opening race. And again, I, I don't have a pro this this what I'm about to say is not a problem. The first movie was like live my life a quarter mile at a time drag races. It was drag racing. Yeah, Miami. They got some turns in there. They got some. Yes, some it's full on street racing, full on street racing, racing around. I'm OK with that. What I am less OK with is the super obvious bad CG that was in this race. It was bad cg i mean the first one had super obvious bad cg in in the races not as bad as this also i know they use this in the first movie as well but the but the the nitrous oxide warp speed effect (laughs) i i laugh at it but it is too goofy it is too i love it i love it i think i think for me what makes it fun is it's i think everyone involved is like all right we're making a sequel let's go bigger let's go dumber and so we got more money to spend on this movie. Let's let's make the nitrous scenes hit. And so, yeah, it can be like you just, you know, hit that one special spot in Mario Kart. And you're just <laughs> I love that. Just, I don't care how silly it is. It's super fun. It's it's um, so it's so silly to me. So beyond that, though, it's really the, the bad CG got me. And um, and I, again, I know the bridge thing. I get it. I get that they're trying to raise the stakes. The thing I like about the bridge scene is that at the end of the race, when the cars have to drive over the bridge, all the cars were messed (laughs) up. They were all just completely jacked up and undrivable. Except for Brian's. Except for Brian's, which, by the way, that Skyline, I'm pretty sure Skylines are four wheel drive. 
Yeah. That is a heavy car. There is no way it would have done oh, what it did. His car would have looked like Suki's a hundred percent. Um, but yeah, I, I really, I really thought that like, but because again, I don't necessarily have a problem with stuff like this being goofy. Cause these movies are, I know going to get goofy, but this movie still treats itself as deadly serious in so many other things in a way I that I don't know. I mean, okay. Okay. So I do agree. This movie has a tone problem because, and the only reason it has a tone problem is because in this film, it's not about figuring out like, Oh, who's, you know, back in trucks full of stuff. It's we're going against a deadly drug Lord played by, uh, Cole Hauser in his infinite glory. I love Cole Hauser. I don't, um, I don't know Cole Hauser from anything. I, I know he's a name that I probably should know, but I've never seen him. And you, you, you have absolutely seen him and stuff. Uh, he's the bounty hunter that hunts uh, Riddick in uh, pitch black. I haven't seen it. Um, you never saw. Oh, nope. <laughs> We're going to have to change I haven't seen, that. I haven't seen any of the Riddick verse. So, uh, oh, man, um, he's been in a ton of stuff, uh, both TV and film. And uh, most recently, uh, he's a main character in well, what's that? Kevin Con- oh, Yellowstone. He's in Yellowstone. I haven't, haven't seen um, that either. But anyway, uh, but so you would probably like it. We'll talk about Cole Hauser's Carter Verone uh, in, in a little while, because, uh, well, I mean, we may as well talk about it. So, well, because this brings up my point, because the tone changes because he is a very serious villain in terms of the stakes. You know, before you don't have someone like, oh, yeah, I'm going to like you have the uh, Johnny Trang's gang as like a rival. But this is a different beast. Like this is this is a dude essentially they're they're, uh, they're trying to make him like a cartel guy. This is a dude that literally holds down uh, the actor who plays the crooked cop in Batman Begins, who also plays right. a crooked cop in this movie uh, and puts a rat under a bucket on his stomach and then start classic and then heats up the bucket before. So the rat starts clawing at him and it's like, this is not Dom stealing DVD players. This is some, no, no, no. this, this is, is some different stuff. guy, which is why I, I so and this, this is the weird thing about this movie because it is totally all over the place. I get why people might have less fun with it because this aspect seems serious until you bring in Brian and Roman because we got to talk about the the saving grace for a lot of people. Uh, Tyrese Gibson. Uh, so as uh, well, Roman well, Pierce. Before before we get there, I just have to say we are. So Brian gets arrested. He gets taken into the. Customs agency room. Yeah, not, basically, th- again, this is another problem with sequelitis. We're in the first movie the FBI guys and the, and the, the LA police were all sort of camped out in this, you know, opened up house that they just put a bunch of computers in. And in this one, they've got like a full screen with windows and overlays and like, it's a movie theater style, you know, room. And it's like, all right, this is not how the customs in Miami operates dudes. Um, also have to call out uh, customs agent Markham, played by James Remar, who I know best as Dexter's dad from Dexter. So uh, watch out, Brian and Roman. Don't let the Bay Harbor butcher come after you. Because <laughs> uh, I've, I've seen like three episodes of Dexter uh, back when it came out. <laughs> yeah, his, his son's a serial killer. That's the whole point of that show. Um, and he sent his son to uh, serial kill. So. Uh, spoilers for Dexter, I guess. Um, so I, I love the scene where he gets taken by customs because, you know, they're they they say, oh, you're, you'll be working with this agent. And Brian's like, I don't, I don't know this guy. Can he drive and, and gives him a really silly, like uh, rhetorical question that he cannot answer and says that he'll only do it if he gets to pick the driver. And. And this is where the 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 weird synchronicity with the first film comes into play, because we find out that the person he picks, which is uh, Roman Pierce, played by Tyrese uh, at the time, was just Tyrese. Um, he we, we see this like really fun destruction derby thing happen going on, and we find out that Tyrese has served time and blames Brian for it. And uh, Agent Bilkins, who was there you know, making sure everything's on the level, uh, 
watches the fight happen and just sits back and starts eating his popcorn. <laughs> it's great. Like, I mean, Bilkins is like, I mean, uh, Tom Barry is like doing the, the best, like Carl Weathers, like that, that kind of performance that Weathers gives where he seems to be smiling and having a good time, no matter what's happening. Uh, similar to Weathers performance in the Mandalorian. Yeah. I, I love Tom Barry in this movie because he is just like constantly amused by what's happening. And it's great. And it's it's very similar. And this is going to sound strange, but it's very similar to Willem Dafoe's character in the um, Boondock Saints movies, where it's the care. It's the, the character who's like starts off kind of on on, you know, the, the hard ass cop who sort of gets swayed by the bad guys and in the second one not the bad guys but the, the two brothers who were killing bad guys and the second one he's a hundred percent revealed to be on their side yeah and bilkins is a like very much like that kind of character they need, they need that switch for him in this movie I i'm sorry to pause oh. uh talking about Suki in this movie do you know who she is yes i do so i didn't know who she was because uh, again miles has prevented me from doing any investigation and research but Suki's well, played by Devin Aoki mm -hmm. who was the sister of renowned DJ Steve Aoki mm -hmm. who yep. I am aware of uh do you know their dad and she was a she was a huge at the time of this movie she was a major major deal as a model yeah. like like she was she was a name coming on to this um but yeah yeah her her half brother Steve is uh very much a global phenomenon yeah like a, a house um, dj uh do you know who their dad is yeah professional wrestler rocky aoki who also founded the restaurant chain benihana yeah what a what I a mean, i mean comes from a very <laughs> a very well-known family and Just, uh un unfortunately and this is not going to spoil anything she she doesn't appear again in this franchise she a couple years later would uh get married have kids and kind of retire from acting uh doing the mom life and yeah. um she's popped up here and there since then and, do and done some events with her her brother um but she kind of walked away from acting a couple years later and i think she's the mom of three kids and i think four has, based on what i was just looking at yeah, I think four. Uh, and I mean, she'll she'll do stuff every now and then. I think some documentaries and and I think she pops up in like well, a brother's music video or something, but has mostly retired uh, in terms of like being an active actress trying to do things. And I mean, you know, living living good life, yeah, uh, which yeah. is good for her. But I also would have loved to see this character return. There's still time apparently uh, that's true that's true that we uh she she i think she appears in like some sort of archival footage in the newest one but um wild this uh, and, and this movie is interesting because you know at the beginning of the movie you think we're gonna have a a repeat crew of the first movie because they they give you a guy that doesn't seem to care for brian very much you've got the the um the one hot girl racer kind of similar to michelle rodriguez character who's clearly a badass and then you've got uh, Tej, which is Ludacris' character, who is kind of a mixture of like, he's like a Dom and Brian combination. <laughs> he he is like, he doesn't race. And we find out because he he had a crash a couple years back that injured himself. And so he's the guy that hosts all of these different, not just street racing, but also jet ski racing he handles seems to handle everybody's <laughs> he does money everything. You and know. I, I, I do agree with you in the fact that like ludicrous is clearly having a great time he has a lot of on-screen charisma with everyone who interacts with him and is a joy to watch in this movie like he is clearly having a blast i think by, at this point obviously he was already uh he was already you know a big name yeah, rapper. he was already a, a popular rapper. Uh, I'm trying to see when his first. Yeah, he was in the wash, the car wash movie as a customer I, I remember it. in 2001. And this is his first real acting actual role, actual yeah. acting role. Um, I mean, I remember him being on an episode of Law and Order SVU, but that wasn't until years later. Apparently, that was three years later. So this is early on in 
And, and this and is ludicrous. This movie comes out probably, I would say, at the absolute peak of Ludacris's musical career. Because, I mean, Chicken and Beer came out this year, and that's kind of like, I would consider like the, the height of his popularity. I, I would have, to, I don't know album titles so, or album names. I just know. Uh, uh, it would have been the album that came out your uh, sophomore year of college. Which, I mean, like, Area Codes was in the first movie, and that's a great song. But, uh, you know, this is a couple of years removed from. This is the one that had like a stand up and uh, uh, dime in the back, stuff like that. Yeah. Anyway, doesn't matter Um, because after uh, after these guys are uh, are brought in and and Roman joins the crew, we are introduced to. I'm going to call this character the Dom of the movie because we don't really know what side they're on. And that's Ava Mendez as Monica Fuentes. Now, so you mentioned about how you wish that uh, Ludacris had more things to do. This, I think they completely underutilized Monica's character. 100% they did. They underutilized almost everybody that wasn't uh, so, uh, Paul Walker or Tyrese in this movie. Because I, I will say, I have, I mean, clearly from my enthusiasm talking about this movie, I have an absolute blast with this movie. I do agree that the script is, I mean, honestly, on par with the first one in terms of its weakness. It's it's the worst part of the movie. And you have a great group of people who could really elevate what they're doing. And you have them giving non sequiturs and one liners. And I mean, I, I know the time that this movie was made, but I really think that they they did a disservice to Eva Mendez is uh, Eva Mendez's um, skills as an actress. And, you know, they kind of made her a damsel in distress, even though they were disguising her as possibly somebody else. And I feel like I wish they had done more with her because everything feels like it's okay. This is the part where this thing happens. It's very tropey, which is fine. But the one character I didn't want to feel tropey in this entire thing was her character. And hers is is pretty much by the numbers. Well, so so. Ava Mendes' character, Monica, is an embedded agent in Carter Verone's organization. She is serving as seemingly his girlfriend and also second in command. And he has her followed all the time, but she can also easily go and just have meetings with the customs people. So I'm not 100% sure exactly what's going on there. But and, and and again, part of that is is on point because Brian immediately falls for her and she immediately seemingly reciprocates. But is she playing him? Is this and Tyrese Roman Rome thinks that she is playing him and that she has gone fully into the the, the Verone organization and, and she can't be trusted. But. Unfortunately, what this movie does is it doesn't give us really any indication one way or the other where her loyalties lie because she's barely in the movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think that is the the weakest part because I, I and, and to for anyone who hasn't seen it and is just listening along, um, Jordana Brewster in the first film who had. Very little to do, but got more scenes as Dom's little sister. Yeah. You, you, she is a main role in comparison to what Eva Mendez gets in this movie, and it, yeah. and it sucks because one, Eva Mendez is a good actress. I think the role could have been really interesting. They could have done a lot of twists and turns. I mean, this movie is a very uh, quick 108 minutes. They could have, you know, beefed that up a little bit and made it a really intriguing movie to where you know. Sometimes you're siding with Tyrese and sometimes you're siding with with uh, Paul Walker. Like it would be it would be a fun thing. And I think I think the guys who wrote the script think they're giving you that. And they are 100 percent not. And it's it's a bummer because I think it it does a disservice to the actress and the film, because uh, to talk about the, the villain, I think that Cole Hauser does a phenomenal job as this. Uh guano crazy but like super serious cartel drug lord uh who who comes off and i i i get this because i thought it to myself the first time i saw him he he comes off as we have matthew mcconaughey at home 
and <laughs> yo man you're right oh that's so funny that's but very I, funny but i love it i love cole house because he clearly knows what movie he's in and he is just eating up every little scene he's doing he's he's trying to play subtle in a movie that doesn't believe in subtlety and that makes it so funny um but every single time i saw cole house i'm like they are they are 100 percent mcconaughey him up um I, I I like him in this movie. Uh, and I know that you and I have very different opinions on Tyrese in this movie. So because uh, to me, I find Tyrese so freaking charming. So I like Tyrese. I have liked Tyrese in other roles in this movie. Uh, it just seems like. I, I, I don't know. I wonder if they sold a different movie to him or I, I just, I don't get it. Cause he seems whenever he's in a scene, I feel like he's slightly off the kilter of everything else that's going on in the scene. It's not to say that I don't enjoy him in the movie. Cause there are some things that I find very funny, like how he keeps trying to steal the, the cigar clipper thing or how he, con- <laughs> no, he's, or he's constantly eating. He's constantly taking people's food and eating. And so they, I, and they actually hungry. Pay, they, they pay that off in a in a way that I really like. Um, I do have a thing, and this even goes back to uh, when we talk, it follows. I have a thing about characters who are constantly eating. Like they become my favorite characters in any given movie. Oh, so you must if, love if Brad char- Pitt. If there's a character that's always snacking, absolutely. If there's a character that's always snacking. They are like subconsciously. I don't realize until later. They are, they become my favorite character in the movie. But Tyrese is. Almost like he's a self-aware character in this movie, like because he never acts like he's in danger until like the movie becomes kind of serious towards the end. But like, you know, he's mouthing off to this, you know, super deadly drug lord and like acting like they are they're trying to get some, you know, uh, mall job or something. But they. Yeah, he's he's stealing from his home uh, when they ha- that when they're fi- <laughs> when they're followed. So car wash and then just lights the guy's car on fire. That was pretty funny, too. That was, <laughs> it was pretty so funny. great. Why, I, like he, I, he, he took re- the time to pour the gasoline into the <laughs> into, I'm assuming it was gasoline. I'm hoping that that uh, window windshield cleaner isn't uh, flammable. Highly flammable. But like it's almost like someone was given the opportunity to be in this movie, but knowing what they were doing, because his character is almost like manic in his choices. But then he'll turn and like have a problem that Paul Walker has got, you know, eyes for Eva Mendez and, you know. And I, I'm looking, I'm like, but what about your choices in this film so far? <laughs> so I want to I want to go back to some scenes in this movie, because uh, there's one thing that I I wonder if this, I have a feeling that this is intentional. A bit just based on what little I know about car culture. So. Uh, Brian and Roman are uh, tasked with stealing this thing out of an impounded car that belongs to Carter Verone as sort of a test. And they're not the only two people tasked with this. It's the first team that gets it and gets back is going to win the, you know, the job of working for them or whatever. And of course, the people that are up against them, uh, because they are now in a Mitsubishi Eclipse and uh a Mitsubishi Lancer Evolution 7. Is it Eclipse Spider? It's an Eclipse Spider, which I think just means convertible. I don't know. Yeah, I think I think it does, which uh, I like that car. <laughs> but Lenovo 7, that is like of the time that was the principal rally car. Like, hang on. Mm-hmm. Uh, this transformer that I have in my hand is a Lenovo 7. Actually, it might be a Lenovo eight. I'm not sure uh, if I could tell the difference between the two, um, but this is this is that car. Um, so again, we're not driving, you know, beater automobiles. Um, but of well, course, it's not Civic. <laughs> yeah, all the people that they are up against are driving these American muscle cars. Yeah, American muscle. Where'd you get those cars for the bottom of a cereal box? <laughs> um, Fonzie, that's you know. funny. But well, which Tyrese calls him multiple times throughout the movie because these characters show up later. But 
the thing that got me is because they're in this big road race as they're all trying to race to this to this spot. And there is one of these guys in the American muscle cars that drives a Mustang. And from what I know about car culture and car shows is that the people that drive Mustangs always have a higher sense of importance of themselves. And they're (laughs) usually the ones when people are trying to peel out at the end to show off their cars. They're usually the ones doing it wrong and destroying their cars, which is precisely what happens in this movie. The only car that is destroyed in this film is a Mustang. Uh, And did that guy die? Because I'm pretty sure that guy had to die. (laughs) He had to have. He had to have. Like he gets run over by an 18 wheeler. (laughs) Yeah, like don't look good for that guy and that you know the 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 uh the the race stunts and stuff like that in that scene were pretty good uh and they didn't get quite as into the cg or if they did it was not nearly as noticeable as it was in that first movie but anyway um yeah i don't know where else to go with talking about this movie miles because it's just I, there, there's so many little bits that I love. I mean, I love I love the 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 uh, enemies of friends buddy cop thing that Tyrese and Brian have going on. I love like the look, even though the writing for Brian is much worse in this movie than it was in the first. They oh, have him talking street in weird moments that make him look this. He's got this terrible street accent that is so bad. It's so bad. It, like, it's, it's what does he say? Rough. Like rough. Uh, he he uses the word cuz like so this is cuz and it's like you shouldn't be saying that you should not be saying this (laughs) and i mean the thing is what sucks is like paul walker has so much charisma he's great on screen when they let him do little things especially when is the the the, the stare and steer with uh eva mendez i taught him yeah i i love everything about that i think paul walker is still great on screen despite again the script for him um but this movie is interesting to me because, you know, this. It's such a different movie from first is it, very much a sequel and it very much does. I mean, I, I will agree with uh, with Vin Diesel on this. It does feel like a sequel from the 90s. I don't agree with everyone who thinks this is the low point in the franchise. Well, I, we haven't seen the rest of the franchise yet. No, no, but I kind of like this more than the first. I you are wrong about that. You are very I, wrong. About I had. That. I had more fun watching this one because this movie can afford, can afford to be more fun because with any sequel, you already know the score. You already know at least whatever character is going to be there and they can just be the movie. Uh, it's not, it's not a fault. I mean, like when I look, I'm rankings on letterbox currently. Um, I ranked it the same as the first one. I think they both have are deeply, deeply flawed movies that ha- have a lot of fun in different ways. Um, this one happens to be more of the super trashy fun, but I like the kind of trashy that it is. Um, I, I, I needed, I needed more. I needed, I needed something. So, and again, <sighs> I don't disagree with you because I think the biggest problem with this one, more so than the first, is the script. I think a lot of the dialogue suffers, and I mean, they talk about this, you know several times even now i mean vin diesel said the reason he didn't do the movie was because of the script My, and miles i i am about to say something that i cannot believe i could not prior to this conversation believe that i was about to say i think this movie suffers because vin diesel is not in it vin diesel who i have had opinions about based on very little because i have seen very few things that he is actually in but uh, he has a reputation uh, for being a particular kind of actor. And that first movie showed me that he could do acting. He can act and he can, and he can play a, he can play a complicated character. So, and that, and that, and that there are no, no one is complicated in this movie. There is no, there is nothing interesting about any of the the characters that is happening in this movie. The concept of complication was there. They didn't follow through with it. I think, I think Vin Diesel, Eva Mendez was supposed to be the complicated character. Which I I called her the Dom of this movie. We're supposed to think that, but then she's not in the movie. And the Um, worst thing that happens to her is that she gets like physically assaulted by 
Carter Verone in a weird, creepy well, let's not way. downplay that. <laughs> like, I hate that. Ugh. Um, so I, I don't disagree with you because I mean, again, I, I have seen actually a, a larger chunk of Vin Diesel's uh, filmography than I thought I had. I've, I've seen a, outside of the fast stuff. I've seen most of his movies, um, including the pacifier. And um, actually, I watched one of his movies right after this because I had found out that uh, Krista had never seen Boiler Room. And Boiler Room is a great movie. And you know, it, I haven't honestly, seen Boiler Room in 20 years. So it's so good. But it also highlights what he can do uh, because he's not the main character of the movie. But every time he's on screen, your eyes are glued. He gives such a such a um a mesmerizing performance in what he's doing. And he's, he's always done that. Like even, even in trash movies that he's been in, I would never say that he, that I can think of has been trash. I even like the last witch hunter that he did. I thought that was a fun movie, but so I don't disagree. I think this movie does suffer from the lack of Vin Diesel, but I don't think it suffers from the inclusion of any actor or even characters. Like I said, I think that Tyrese lights up the screen every single time he's on. I think he's extremely funny. Um, I wish they had given uh, Ludacris more to do because and I understand that he does do a lot more as the franchise goes on, because I think I think what maybe gets people the most is this movie has so much potential to be like a top notch blast. And it doesn't reach that partially because and I keep harping on this partially because of the script and they don't the script doesn't seem to. Or at least maybe when they made the movie, they didn't seem to lean into the strengths of the people like MC Jin, who um, plays Jimmy, who's a mechanic that works for uh, Taj. Really, really fun. And yeah. they at least let him rap a little bit. And But like he should have been like the Jesse of the movie. Well, he did. He he did install the ejecto cedo, cuz. Dude, that ejecto cedo was great when Tyrese did that. That was so funny. The only reason it was great when Tyrese did it is because it didn't work when Brian did it, which was no. It was great funny. when Tyrese did it, whether or not it worked when Brian did it. It has made it funnier when Brian <laughs> Brian's failed. I I, I also. I I hated when they drove the boat or the car onto the boat. Oh, that see that is like late nineties, early two thousands, like one oh one in these kind of movies. Like, I mean, again, I think Bad Boys did it. I think that again, this is this is where I talk about like sequel, like sequelitis with stuff. And this is my problem with this movie is like we gotta do it so much better, so much better, but they don't do it better enough. And it's something I mean, that like, again, I know, I know they drive a car into space at some point in these movies and that people love that and we'll get there. I just feel like and this I'll was, probably love that too. <laughs> I, I just feel like this wasn't it. This was, this was everything I didn't want out of a sequel to this movie and too much. Like it didn't have any of the stuff that I liked in the first movie and had too much of the stuff that I didn't like about the first movie. And like I mean, the balance was wrong. I mean, I don't disagree. I mean, again, this this movie is the one that that most fans of the franchise uh, say deserves the place at the bottom. And I mean, I certainly see that from people. I, I I see why this movie doesn't work. And and I've even said like I, I mean, the script it, it does not work. I think that it's full of holes. I think that the dialogue for most of the characters is. Uh, lazy and it doesn't it, it completely fails uh every woman who takes part in this movie that said it still managed to be super fun probably because you have a a deaf director director on board you have a charismatic cast of young people who just eat up the space that they're in and despite the fact that the script is a wet noodle they pulled together a really fun movie for me and I mean, that, that's my walkaways. I have a good time with it. I, it's, it is really difficult for me for me for me to seriously. Oh, this is a better film, but I have a good time. Well, my, my problem is that there were too many things that pulled me out of being able to have a good time with it, that it overshadowed the times when I was having a good time. Like, yeah, I, I, I got uh, the, I got the live reactions from Drew not having a good time. This movie. <laughs> yeah. 
I think I said, bro, I am straight up not having a good time right now. And I was like, well, personally, because I was like my, my attitude after watching that movie. Uh, I think we watched like a Saturday, but it was very much yeehaw. Um, yeah, I was more yee-naw. Um, but uh, again, there were a few things that I liked. I've mentioned some things that I did like. I, I do want to say I have to give a shout out to uh, to Carter Verone's henchmen dudes who speak 90 percent of their lines in Spanish. And they do not give them any subtitles. And that is a great move. I yeah. really I think that is very uh, was a fun thing. Um, just I know that I know they squeeze some some foul language behind the the PG-13 sensors in that as well. <laughs> but uh, it's uh, no, I and that's the thing is there's so much fun to be had. Like This is certainly not a movie that I would skip if I was rewatching the franchise. Um, I made people tell people to buckle up or, you know, hey, have that extra uh, uh, glass of wine. Speaking of seatbelt usage in this movie, still real bad. Uh, I mean, I, I would expect any movie involving illegal street racing to not have the best seatbelt etiquette. Uh, Ava Mendez wore a seatbelt pretty much every time she was in a car in this movie for that whole scene. Um this is what I said about it, the script doing a disservice to her. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, at this point, I'm not sure how much more I have to say. This movie uh, is entirely predictable. Well, again, not that the first one wasn't entirely. Predictable. Yeah, well, we, we, we can't we can't hold that against this movie. Uh, but it, it, it does to me all the wrong things that a sequel should do. They take an interesting, complicated character as the villain and they make that character just completely black and white evil bad guy yeah but like cole hauser just chews up all those scenes like i lo- look i love diet math mcconaughey i love it i love it i i just i and, and, and part, I, I think I clearly, part of for me I, is i see why this movie is at the bottom of people's lists it is I mean, not I do, a strong second outing for me part of it for me is is who you watch the movie with because like I, i'm watching all these movies with someone who has seen i think up through seven and like when we were watching the first movie, I had to tell her to stop quoting the movie because I don't remember anything that was distracting me. But like <laughs> she can quote like all of these movies. So um, Crystal was having a very, very good time because she like you was a big Luda fan. So, yeah, I, I mean, I get it. And I mean, honestly, the Too Fast, Too Furious song uh, is really fun. It's not even the Too Fast, Too Furious song. I, I kind of forgot that it's it's a different song that he just yells Too Fast, Too Furious too fast, too at the furious. start of. <laughs> and then that's the only part of that song that's at all about. <laughs> oh, no, the fight's out. Gonna punch. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it is song. it is funny that 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 song is. Um, I mean, it's the Too Fast, Too Furious song, but it's also like not. Uh, <laughs> it's just like, like, hey, uh, Luna, can I mean, you uh, can you just add a little bit of Too Fast, Too Furious? In? It's like, OK. Too fast, too furious. Here's the rest of the song. Too fast for y'all. <laughs> and then here's Act of Fool. Um, I, I, I mean, I can't wait to see uh, him again. I, 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 I so we don't. We're not going to see really anybody, but I think a cameo in the next film. This is this is an interesting part in the franchise because uh, while the series, while this film did well, and you know, a my cinema score, uh, savaged by critics, but the first one was too, uh, despite Roger Ebert giving it three out of four stars. <laughs> so, uh, good, good on the man for having some taste. Um, they shifted gears. Uh, I, I, I will you talk a little bit more about puns it. tonight. Come on. <laughs> I mean, it, it, look, it, it's, it's all summer long, baby. It's all summer long. Um, we're, we, we are, we're going to sh- about to say it again but so the next episode well which we're not doing next week because next week is my b- b- birthday um when we come back to this franchise we are going to be doing uh fast and the furious tokyo drift which is uh at the time what we thought was a standalone entry that had nothing to do with nothing um it was it felt like it was going to be a reboot and so we're going to see how that how that fares. And obviously, we're going to, you know, place that in the franchise as we go forward, because it turns out it was not standalone. But next week, uh, Drew and I discussed this uh, off air. I think we might have mentioned it on the show a couple weeks ago. Uh, it's for tough. my birthday. It's tough to remember. 
yeah, for my birthday challenge this year, uh, I decided to pick a movie that I, I one, but knew both of us were going to see and we're possibly going to see it twice. Um, and this is the only place that I feel like I'm going to have a chance to like sit down and chit chat about it. Yeah. Outside of like being at home. And um, so. For my birthday, and as opposed as opposed to the normal thing of, of making Drew watch some weird cult thing that I've loved for 35 years, uh, we are going to sit down and do a spoiler cast on Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Ooh, yeah. Um, spoiler warning. Miles and I have already seen this movie. I, if I have time, I'm going to see it again. Um, Same. Bigger spoiler warning. I love this movie and I am desperate to talk about it for yeah, just I mean, I, an uninterrupted I no, amount of time. Yeah, it's it's no surprise. I, I mean, this this is now sort of one of the highest rated movies uh, currently out there right now. Um, I, I'm 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 really excited to talk about it because I do want to talk about the movie as opposed to like, oh, do they like it? Do they not like it? I, I'm like, honestly, y'all know I, us. You, you know, we're going to like this movie. So I'm interested to see and and I'm going to try very hard to see it a second time before um, if I can. I'm interested to see how it plays a second time. Um, because I too, sometimes you walk out of a movie. What, one time sometimes you walk out of a movie the first time and you love it and then the second time you're like eh, you start to see the holes in it and then sometimes like into the spider-verse you walk out of the movie the second time and you like it even more because you've noticed more subtle things that they have pre- presented to you and uh we'll see what happens with that uh but yeah. that is going to be next week's episode spider-man across the spider-verse spoilers y'all be careful if you haven't seen it but also it made a ton of money so i'd be surprised if a lot of people hadn't seen it at this point but uh yeah i mean you just, you just never know uh i'm just double checking to make sure we don't have any uh emails because <laughs> last time i checked way too late um i know we got one uh last week that i think i briefly uh touched on where um uh, our friend Kyle wrote to us said, and said it was you know just as corny as they remembered it. And as a gearhead, there were many mechanical inaccuracies, but it's a good time, which is, yeah, ab- absolutely 100% true. Sure. Uh, I mean, that that's what a lot of these things were. It's where like, even with hackers, I mean, I think the ha- like the, the real hackers got a little too overly mad about stuff. But like, you go to a movie like Hackers and you know it's not going to be actual hacking. I don't know. No, I think, you're, you're I think gonna- Hackers is more criminal than... Uh- fast and the furious maybe not I mean, as, just, maybe not as criminal as too fast too furious we, but we all had fun in that movie so hackers is I a mean, hackers is a dumb fun movie uh for sure um so with that said let's uh, wrap this episode up tonight uh if you would like to reach out to us you can find us at themoreunerd.com for this and every other episode you can tweet to us at the more you nerd and you go to facebook.com slash the more you nerd and you can email us the more you nerd at gmail.com that's the more you nerd at gmail.com and you know if you're bored at work one day and you just want to talk to me and miles directly join our cosmic crit discord go to cosmiccrit.com join the discord and you will find the two of us talking all day uh, because we are bored at work and we have to have day jobs. Uh, So do that as well. Um, And so now uh, miles it's time. Are you ready? Yeah. Let's get ludicrous to stand between us and then throw his arms down as we end the show, as we always do with a rousing two nerd two out. Yes. <laughs>